Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Christian Harloff is head of production at Collider Video and host of the super popular Collider Jedi Council panel show. Has Disney-era Star Wars helped the legacy of the prequels? And our cases on whether Ryan Johnson or Dave Filoni is the heir apparent to George Lucas. You guys are just praising Ryan Johnson like you've seen the film 13 times. Yeah, yeah we and- get that every week. <laughs> <laughs> and they're right, but they're, but they're right. I mean, we could come out of this with egg on our face. We could come out of this thing. If, if the movie stinks, then it's like, oh, maybe you guys, A shouldn't have been praising him and B, now you have three movies you gotta deal with this guy and then C, you still think he's the heir apparent steal? <laughs> but the flip side of that is we're gonna be walking around like John Travolta and staying alive if, if, if it comes out it's one of the best Star Wars movies of all time. <laughs> Christian recounts his time working as a writer in the WWF and gives some insight into what Vince McMahon has in common with George Lucas. We hear the origin story of the Schmodown and Christian's thoughts on Red Letter Media and the Nerd Crew. This is Steel Wars episode 151, Christian Harloff, the official canon of Collider Jedi Council. This episode of Steel Wars features occasional coarse language. If you're around sensitive ears, move along. This is not the Steel Wars episode you are looking for. There are, however, many other family-friendly, clean episodes on our iTunes feed or SteelWars.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And each week, we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And this week's guest is someone that... We've been trying to track down for a little while. On his show, he said he'd been trying to get me for a little while, but I think it was the other way around. No, we tried to get you for a little bit, too. We talked about it, for sure, but I think that it just always was it was like a passing, like, you should do my show, I'll do your show, and then here's a lollipop. <laughs> So, but, uh, but no, it's cool to have you on, man. It was a lot of fun. That actually sounds like a made-up story, like but it's a metaphor. Here's right. a lollipop, but yeah. that's is actually how we I met. I thought you were a lunatic at first. For saying <laughs> I, didn't know, I, didn't, I, I didn't know who you were. And I, I, when I got to, when I got to um, Celebration, and then you're like, hey, and you throw the lollipop in my, fan, uh, in my face. And I asked Ken, I said, is there anthrax on there? You think? So he, he's, he's like, no, that's Steel. I go, oh, from Steel Wars. He's like, he's like yeah, because I'd never seen your face before. And, they, and I was like, okay, and then I ate the lollipop. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Christian Harloff. Yeah, it's nice. To, thanks, man. It's nice to be here. I just had to get that name out there. You know, sometimes people just, they just go in blind. What, what's, what throwing your name out there? You're the Steel? What, what was you saying? No, your name. Oh, my name? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, l- listen, I don't mind going going in blind. Also, because I'll tell you what, when you are a... Uh, I, have, I have a one-month-year-old. One-month-year-old? A one-month-year-old. One mm-hmm. is, is that something? A one-month-old and a six-year-old. Uh, I just combined the two of them. So, sleep is... Uh, it's, can I curse on the show? You can do whatever it's you bullshit. want. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
straight up bullshit still. So it's Friday afternoon. Yeah. This, is, this is the calm before the storm for you. Kind of. I mean, the weekend. I mean, my, the, the the week is, is is a wonderful storm. We should say because it's like you know you work you work all day, you go home and you see the kids, but it's like there's it's just it's go go go. But it's it. But again, it's a, it's a blessing. But yeah. <laughs> Well, you are the head of the Jedi Council and, and the Collider Network that we'll find out a bit about later on. But this is what I'm interested about. I've got to get this out of the way. Sure. We, we both have a bit of an interest in professional wrestling. Yeah. What do you think about the parallels between Vince McMahon, someone that you've worked with, yeah. and George Lucas? I mean, they're definitely in parallels because they're, all, they're both visionaries. They're both guys that saw something one particular way. In a in a in an industry that was very different from when they started. I mean, you look at what Vince McMahon did. Granted, his father ran a lot of wrestling, but re- wrestling wasn't nationalized. And wrestling wasn't commercialized the way that Vince did in like '84, '85 is when he started to do it. They started combining it with you know Cindy Lauper and the Rock and Roll Connection and all that. And and he did something revolutionary. He really did, and with merchandising and things of that nature. So it's, there's an absolute parallel with what he and George did because. George did his own thing in, in the independent in the film when it was kind of dominated by studios, and then he essentially created his own entity, his own studio. And he, and everyone always jokes that Star Wars is the most expensive uh, independent film of all time because what what both of those guys were able to do from the ground up, there are absolute parallels because they're both, like I said, they're both visionaries. And I, I think even to the point where they fought to do their own thing, and Sometimes I think the fandom has resented that independence that yeah. they could actually go, I just want to make this film like this because that's how I want. Right. Or I want to do this in wrestling because that's how I want. And I think sometimes the independence has like benefited them hugely and, and occasionally sort of maybe when things have shifted, like maybe hurt them. I'll combine that independence with power i think when you get when you get to a certain level and a certain certain power that um you, you your product can take a hit doesn't mean that it's going to destroy your product obviously both of those products are doing very well um <laughs> but you but you can take hits because look at the case let's start with george lucas and you look at what george lucas did in 76 or when he was working he, he would get advice from coppola and De palma and you know spielberg and and he would and you could see it in that first product. You know, the, the, the crawl comes from De Palma, you know. Then you fast forward to the prequels and a lot of the things that he was doing, he was focused more on visuals and getting this new technology out and, and really with and furthering ILM and which he did successfully, but some would say that maybe some of the story elements that benefited in the seventies from collaboration weren't there because he wasn't listening to certain people certain things would come out certain suggestions were made and he ignored them i mean if you read um how star wars conquered the universe by mm-hmm. chris taylor he kind of documents a lot about some of the suggestions that were made by some of his friends of prequels that were really good suggestions but he didn't take them and now who's to argue that those are the right calls or not because they they were pretty successful films yeah they, they spawned um, a, a lot of different successful things now vince mcmahon same thing you look at vince mcmahon before the um 
before the wars in WCW, right? And the the WWF product, as it was called back then, was watered down. Um, there was the, he stayed with Hogan for a long time. Hogan left, and it was still in that good guy era. And there was no edge to it. There was nothing else to it. And there was the gobbledygook man, or whatever that was, the turkey. He made some bad calls. The uh, gobbledygooker, or something. Gobbledygooker, right? And he popped that for Survivor Series. I mean, he's made a lot of different calls. I mean, you, you look at the call with Owen Hart. I mean, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of calls that are going to be made, whether it's tragic or silly, like the the gobbledygook that. Maybe someone around your staff or crew says, maybe this isn't the idea. We go, nah, I'm Vince McMahon. Nah, I'm George Lucas. I can do what I want to do. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. They, they both seem like disagreeing with maybe not the best career path. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I can speak personally from because I worked at WWE and, and I, um, I had, I remember there was something that I was, I was, had to work on a lot of storylines sitting just with me and Vince, the way that you and I are sitting here right now. And I remember th- him saying something, what it was exactly, I don't remember, but I remember thinking in my head, I don't agree with this, should I say it? You know, and and I did, but I said it in a way that I was just kind of making it seem like he said it and he wanted to say that it was the wrong thing to do anyway, so we should move on. And somehow that trick worked, um, but that was a rare, it was a rare thing. One more thing. I, people, some people are loving this. Some people are going, talk about lightsabers real right, soon. Right. What was one of the biggest things that you are involved with? Like, in what era were you there? The Attitude Era. I got there. Um, so, my, I just, I actually, I do this um, show on Facebook Live to where I just, literally, my car ride is 45 minutes. So, I stick a, I stick a camera in my car and I drive to work and I just vent out loud. And I told this whole story about how I kind of got the gig at WWE and it was the short story of it is that it was right around the time when WWF bought WCW. And so when I was submitting my storylines, I submitted um, like invasion storylines. So it was a lot of stuff that happened with like Booker T and, um, you know, a lot of stuff that was, it was the Kurt Angle, the, the milk truck stuff. There was stuff with um, uh, the, the APA. Um, I, I had to write some, they wanted me to, you know, because of my comedy career, they wanted me to write some stuff for, um, for Moppy. Remember Moppy? Ah, yeah. I wrote some stuff. Yeah, it was Saturn. Perry Saturn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that was a punishment for him. Did you, did you know that story? No. So the reason he got stuck with Moppy was because, and you can find this on YouTube, he was he was wrestling some you know a jobber if you know for those who don't know what wrestling terms, just the guy who's just there to lose, and so he was wrestling this guy. He's and the, the, the battle droids of the of wrestling. <laughs> Roger, Roger. <laughs> so, so this guy didn't really hurt him too bad, but he kind of dumped Saturn on his head, right? So you see in the video, Saturn just flips and starts beating the crap out of this guy, like legit. He takes the guy and he throws him through the ropes, and the guy lands on his head, and he like he like really beat him up. So afterwards, Vince tracked him down as soon as he hit the at ringside. And he's just he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" They were pissed, and then they they stuck him with Moppy as a punishment. And so Moppy was like a mop girlfriend, or something? he was just like he became like a crazy person who was talking to a mop. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it kind of feels like me with a microphone sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> in my yeah. Right. Well, Saturn was that kind of guy, man. It was that that was the. Uh, that was yeah. That, so I mean, I had to write that kind of stuff. I wrote some stuff for DDP. I mean, I wrote a lot. I mean, Stephanie McMahon, Jericho. Um, I, that's when that's when I was writing. The only person, the only two people I didn't really write for, uh, because the, Brian Gerwitz, who was the head writer, had all those. Was like uh, Stone Cold and The Rock. He was that was all his stuff. So, um, but it was cool. What was it like in the Sausage Factory? It was crazy. Remember, I was twenty two or something when I when I did it. So it was. 
I was a big, I was like a hardcore fan. So I, I got there and it was pretty much like seeing the circus. And like you said, seeing the sausages made. But the problem is after I left, it was working in, a, in like a sausage factory, seeing how they're made and never want to eat one ever again, you know? Yeah. Um, but while I was there, it was cool. It was just, it was nonstop. Again, being that young and traveling, like it was traveling every day. I was there for maybe two months and I so traveling the second I got, I was in Chicago, then I was in uh, San Antonio, and then I was in Hawaii, and then I was here. It was like back and forth and back and forth. And I, didn't, I remember waking up one day, and I didn't know where I was. I didn't, I, had no, I forgot what city I was in. And um, it's just a lot of traveling, a lot of things. And, and I wasn't wrestling, you know, so I can only imagine what those guys are going through because they're, it's, just not, it's just nonstop. To, to book like wrestling or like write like a Star Wars series? What would I rather do? Yeah. Oh, Star Wars series. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. I mean, I, again, when I was writing, when I was doing the wrestling stuff, I was, I was really into it. Like, and even if you would have given me that option back then, I still would have taken Star Wars. The, to me, I, I found a way that I could make, um, that I could make wrestling my career at the time. This is 2001, right? So like the, it's, it's not there was no twitter there was none of these it was people aren't as as accessible as they are now so like now i know a lot of people as do you that, that work at lucasfilm that we can have conversations with people who make the sausages over at lucasfilm we couldn't do that back then and i couldn't anyway you have to really kind of dig and move and and i knew somebody who worked at wwe so i had the in there mm. and i was able to pursue that way plus the fact back then there was no star wars other than the original trilogy and the i guess uh episode two was about to come out but that was it there was no series that were going to come out after after episode three they were shutting it down um so th- th- there was no long game at least that's why i always say george lucas is my favorite liar yeah right well, yeah he i mean i guess he he but was he lying though or did he tell was he was he lying to himself <laughs> right he was lying to himself uh you know i'm probably not gonna do any more of these <laughs> well, I believed him. He yeah. might have not believed him, but uh, right. I did. Because I remember having the exact same feeling walking out of Revenge of the Sith was the exact same feeling I had walking out of Return of the Jedi. Which was? Just sadness. I was yeah, like, like, that's, that's it. it. Right. I was so young for the Return of the Jedi one, but it's my first memory of, oh, that's over. Right. They're sure. not going to... Because an adult said there's no more. Right. I believe adults. They're okay. the authority. Well, that's what they said. I mean, and... The fandom, movie fandom in general, has changed dramatically, even from when the first trilogy came out to even when the prequels came out. I mean, you look at the wave of the the, 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 the Marvel movies and DC movies. That Those type of tentpole movies, once those things hit, I mean, tentpole movies are always there, obviously, but that those types of shared universes and those uh, those types of films, when you're Disney and you're Bob Iger, you Bob Iger was probably looking after that property and, and salivating for a very long time, who, by the way, is... As people say, you know, they worship George Lucas. Bob Iger to me is is a damn genius. Bob Iger is a guy who just is. I mean, he's the one that we need to thank for all these new movies and this whole new structure that we have. So, I would love to been a fly on the wall for that conversation at dinner when he sold. How are you the guy that was able to convince George Lucas to sell Lucasfilm to you? You know, you know how slick you have to be to be that guy. So that that was uh, when I read that, I was like, who is that guy? It's the first time I really started to hear about Bob Iger. But I also think that 
it would have been very hard for George Lucas to sell it to any other company. Like he had such reverence for Disney from from when he, he was there on the first day. Right. I mean, he he almost. I think that he had said that Disney was like they almost sold it to him at one point too. He wanted to do some stuff like you said with with Disney. Is he's always he was always seen. He's always seen to his credit, even though a lot of people don't want to admit that he's always seen Star Wars for kids and. What better place than for Disney? But to Disney's credit, they haven't watered it down to make it seem just for kids. It seems like it's back for everyone. Now, people might be wondering about the wrestling thing. And I always... There's a similar adrenaline rush with some of my favorite parts of wrestling and my favorite parts of Star Wars. And and that's the run-in. The I, I think that my when I people say what Star Wars about to you, it's coming through for your friends sure. when they need them. Right, and that adrenaline rush of you know Luke Skywalker, you know Darth Vader's pounding down on him. There's a there's two Tie Fighters. It's not looking good, and then Han Solo, right. the questionable character that when the chips are down, is like going, I'm gonna do the right thing. Right, comes in and says, it's all yours, kid. So you're talking about when Randy Savage came in to save Hulk Hogan as a mega power. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, that, that. absolutely. There are a lot of parallels. But, I mean, I think that that's – people who don't understand and watch wrestling, it's the same – it's it's different. Like UFC, people who don't watch UFC and don't understand the UFC, they think it's just people rolling around on the floor. They don't understand the game or the, the art behind mixed martial arts. Now, same thing with wrestling. People see wrestling and they go, oh, that's just silly. That's fake. It's just fake. It's not real. But it's a story. They're telling a story. There are characters. There's development. There's storylines. It's a it's a soap opera, you know. Mm. And and that's and if you look at what Star Wars is, not a soap opera, but it's a space opera. And there's these there's good. There's bad. There's in between. There's all these different things. There's these which choices, like you said. It's like helping your friends out in the time of need. There, good storytelling is good storytelling. It doesn't matter what format it is. And also, if you study wrestling, the math of building up the storylines it's sort of like a base like it's they're they're core timeless stories and you can use that math for Star Wars like one thing that like a real parallel between wrestling and Star Wars is you gotta build up the bad guys do you know what I mean you gotta make them a threat you wanna make the fans hate them so there's that much more of, uh, of stake when your favorite good guy faces them otherwise you don't care yeah like so in in Attack of the Clones, they had the new battle droids. This is right. one thing that always sticks out to me as like a wrestling-related thing. They had the new super battle droids. They had the arm with the turn into a gun and all that right. good stuff. The droid cars, that one? No, not the droid cars. The the super battle droids. They sort of looked, oh, right, right, right. They looked the a one, bit Battlestar Galactica. The one that the one that uh, that Streepio gets his head stuck on, right? The one where he's, he's... Nah, he was a normal battle droid. Which one are we talking about? It's the one. It's the it's the big one where he sticks his arm out. And he's got the yeah. Big you're doing shoulders. the right. You're doing the right hand gesture. It is right. I just, again, but he's got the. He's got the big, broad football shoulders yes. with a tiny little head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But then, so they were like a scary new droid. Right. But then in Revenge of the Sith, they're doing like pratfalls and R2-D2. Right. Like they, they are mega jobbers by then. <laughs> That's right. Perry Saturn was kicking the crap out of them too. <laughs> right. What's your first memory of Star Wars? First memory of Star Wars, it's... I, it's Definitely Return of the Jedi, seeing it with my dad and just being so invested in that final fight between Luke and Vader. Um, I know that I saw Empire when I was younger in the theater, but I was so young, I don't remember. I really remember watching more on VHS. Empire is my favorite of all time, but, uh, but Jedi is the one I remember seeing 
falling in love with it. And I, and I it's funny because I, I had seen, I probably have seen New Hope and Empire more than any other of the Star Wars movies, but I definitely remember my dad. I remember the theater that my dad took me to to see it. I remember the way I felt afterwards. I remember wanting to see it again. So yeah, I'd say those are probably that's probably the memory I always think of when someone asks what the first memory of Star Wars is. And, and what sort of do you remember it made you take to it in such a way? You know, it's weird. Like the two things I was really into when I was a kid was Star Wars and Rocky. Like those were the like Rocky just remind even though he's from Philly, he just reminded me of people that I grew up with and you know being half Italian and um, and just the boxing element um, I've always been uh, been a fan of and with Star Wars it was just it's a cliche answer but there's, you just never saw anything like that before people didn't make movies like that and and it it's the thing that everyone fell in love with it was that you believed that this stuff was out there it wasn't like goofy sci fi mm. it was it was something else about it that you believed and it's again it's an answer that everyone gives but it's so true you believe that the universe was lived in you believe that these characters that you've been invested in were doing the things that they were telling you they were doing by all accounts as alec guinness probably thought it would be so when you hear space wizard and laser swords could be ridiculous but then when you see sir alec guinness being obi-wan kenobi this gene this like this wizard uh and it's this old vet who's been through all this stuff like that speech with the clone wars about the clone wars in episode four is one of my favorites of all time because i believe every word that he said i believe that all these things happen because that speech alone was the was the reason everyone was what are the clone wars what happened and there's something that's so funny about that scene we all know that that Lucas had no idea about the history what was coming with Darth he didn't figure out Darth Vader was Luke's father until yeah. afterwards however the way that you can sell that is when Luke asks Obi-Wan what happened to my father there's this pause in Alec Guinness's face like do I tell this kid the right the real story and that alone Lucas can always say yeah, look at his face. I always had it planned out. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that, 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 and that convinces me because it just looks so real. But that's, that's why because I believe, I just believed it all. And I think there's a certain amount of credit he gave to kids to follow along. Like he didn't panda explaining the story. Like it was this ongoing story that we jumped into the middle of. And when he talked about the Clone Wars. It was such a good way. He was so vague that he didn't explain it to the audience. He talked it to Luke, like in universe, like not having to re-explain World War Two. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I mean. It's like you can. It's if someone mentions a, a, a battle that that happened in you know in in ancient Rome, <laughs> they're talking about some a particular thing to someone from another planet comes out they don't know what the hell that they're they're talking about but you'd believe it oh these are two these are warriors talking about what happened back in thousands and thousands of years ago and i believed it and it's just i think that like you said very similar to what pixar does right pixar makes movies that you can go and you i take my six-year-old to see and i know she's going to enjoy it but the trick is you got to make me enjoy it too you got to make me want to take my daughter to see it again and that's what Star Wars did because Star Wars, when you see it in, in 1977, everyone wanted to see it. Five-year-olds wanted to see it again. Ten-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, and on and on and on. That's a trick that is hard to pull off. And I think that that's one of the things that you're talking about is it's it was written and presented in a way that it, it was a lot of the old stuff that he loved from Flash Gordon, Buck, Buck Rogers, um, Kurosawa, like all that stuff was kind of combined. It was That was the other trick. 
It was stuff that you all you had seen millions of times before, but it made you feel like you'd never seen it once before. Yeah, and I think that's in sometimes in Star Wars Rebels, it stands out from normal Star Wars dialogue because it is a little bit pat on the head. We're recounting yeah. what the storyline is and what the objectives are. And I think if you take that on the same level as the movies, like, it's not normally how people talk. But- right, right. Well, I think that's also because, like, again, when you do it for the first time in 1977, there's, there's, no, there's no standard that you're going up against. There's mm. no other movies that people are going to be comparing. When you have the luxury of building this dynasty that once you get into Rebels, that you might want to throw a couple of those things in there to reference back to the story or- yeah oh, and also that it's pitched you know it, it's on XD and, right. and you've got to you know have those for kids that are like Absolutely. under 12 follow right. along but it does stand out in that how like he did script the original films sure. in that sort of like you might not get everything but you'll catch on yeah yeah especially if you go back and you watch it I mean if you just you multiple view watching you might be able to pick up even more stuff yeah and that was like the sort of amazing trick of it all was that he did build it with such depth that then in the 90s when they wanted to make all those like technical guides and all that stuff there was like if you wanted to go super deep there was all like I found that so exciting that kind of you know maybe go back to the wrestling parallel where there was the kids wrestling and then by the time of the late 90s and it was sort of at a grown up with us and sort of like the Star Wars publications in the 90s with all the, you know, the technical books. It was like, oh, this is a thing I loved when I was a kid. But now I'm a bit older. There's this whole other way to love it. Yeah. And that's, you know, through all the, the weapons and the stats and the intertwining storylines. It's funny that you brought that up too because when I was, uh, when I was in college and then they had... Um they had brought one of those visual dictionaries out, and it was right before the release of episode one. And I remember when that thing came out. And I was again, I was, I was into Star Wars, obviously. And I, but when when you had those periods of basically Star Wars being dormant until mm. you know, there was those rumors because there was that one rumor that was supposed to come back in like '93, but then it didn't, and then then it started to to really ramp up. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's going to be three new movies starting in '99. And then once you knew it was, then Star Wars Fever started to hit again, and they, 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 they you know, all the new toys came out. And um, but I remember getting that Visual Dictionary and going through it and kind of giving myself that refresher, and exactly what you're talking about, going, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I didn't miss a beat. This is, mm. this is all the stuff that I love, and, and now I get to see it all again. And and then it just prepped you for when the Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, like for people that weren't maybe old enough to realize, I remember. It must have been 94 or 5. I was in the city of Frankston, back in Australia, and I was walking past a bookshop, and I saw a mobile of C-3PO and R2-D2 in a bookshop, and it just caught my eye because I was like, oh my God, there's Star Wars in a shop. Right. And I went in demanding answers like I couldn't understand like Star Wars was done to me like they're never going to make like they're not going to make another thing with Star Wars written on it in my mind without the internet in Australia it wasn't a book no, not even a book. Well, they were doing books. Were no, doing no, legends. but I didn't know about didn't it. Know no, this was this was the mobile for the first book. Wait, so no, they did they did the legends, but they but I think with Timothy Zahn's first book, you might have been there might have been a little earlier than too because Timothy Zahn's first book was like ninety one. 
Was it 91? Yeah, it was like 91. Wow. Because that was like the first thing. Because that I, I felt the same way that you did. That it was like after Jedi, there was nothing. And then once Zahn's trilogy came out, um, it was like 91, 92. And that's when he was like, well, that's, this is the only Star Wars that we're getting. Wow. I must yeah. have just missed the first year of it then. Because there's no way to find out as well. No, not not like today. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> the, um, I, like now, anything, like before I'm fully woken up, I am yeah. informed with what happened. The author comes up with an idea in his bed and you know about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the truth. So he just tweets it out. It's like, oh, I just had an idea about Jabba the Hutt's brother. Okay, it's going to be a book next year from Delray. I remember the other week I woke up with a, like, you know how on your phone, like, certain things show up in the lock screen, like yeah. on an iPhone? Yeah. I had a DM from a listener saying they are actually going to call the solo movie Solo. Right. And that was my first waking thought. That's how you thought. got it, right? I just found it so funny, funny, the yeah. way it's all expanded. But is anybody, that was the biggest thing, you bring that up. There was such a backlash on the on the solo title, right? It's it's. Did anyone think it was going to be called anything else? All right. What do you think it was called? Smuggler's Tale. I, I'm a fan of of marketing and like I love studying all that stuff. Yeah. I I, I really like it, and I think Solo is a great uh, Solo is the best title if you want to make money. Right. It's the best title. It's also a title. That should have been released two years ago. No, I totally agree. It's not something that you build anticipation on. It's yeah. like, hey, guys, guess what? Guess what it is? Solo? Yeah, how'd you guess? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, right. it does nothing for the imagination. No, not at all. I was sort of hoping for the an Indiana Jones-style title. Sure. Like, Han Solo and, and, the, and the Kessel Run or whatever. Han Solo and whatever mm, it might be. Mm. Sure. But yeah. I think that, for me, in critiquing it, was the negative was... As far as like marketing and PR, I just can't see how they held off as a strategy. Right. It's like, are we going to call it something else? Yeah, that's that's probably what happened though. They probably, I mean, if you look at all all the the, the problems that the movie went through, they probably went to, to one meeting like, all right, let's come up with a title now. No, just call it Solo. We're done. <laughs> it's like after everything else, they'll deal with it. Let's just call it Solo. They'll understand. A, a Star Wars story, Solo. Okay, yeah, does that does that sell the movie? It does. Lock it. And yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. And you know, it, does it affect the film at all? No, not the title. No, but. We talk about Star Wars for hours every week, so we have to get into the minutiae of such things. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think it's a matter of, of why we're talking about it as much as I think there was like such a backlash of it. This is a terrible title. It's not It's not a terrible title. I agree with what you said. I think that it's they should have just said right away when they announced it, we're releasing a movie called Solo. Mm. Because, you know, if you're going to... It just it makes sense. It's not... It doesn't pop, but the difference between, like, let's say, live, die, and repeat... Which, what the hell does that mean if you're trying to sell a movie? A really great movie. That's a circumstance where that title might have hurt the box office. A Star Wars story solo is not going to hurt the mm. box office at all. So um, that's what I mean. As I understand why people have to cover it. I just don't understand why there was such a backlash. Something. It's not a groundbreaking title, but who cares? I, I think it's more the timing. And yeah. if you're going to release, like when you hear like The Last Jedi, right? you're like, Please show me this movie now. Right. Like the shit going down. Yeah, like it yeah. just it just churns the imagination. Yeah. But they give it away though, the last Jedi also in the in The Force Awakens too. With the, they 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 prep you that it's gonna be called that. When they said they say Luke Skywalker, the last Jedi. Yeah. 
But happy. that's like when there was a debate over who's the last Jedi. It's like they say it in, in the Force Awakens. It's in giant yellow letters. Right, right. They tell you we he's have the last to trust Jedi. the giant yellow letters. Snoke says it too, doesn't he? At one point, Snoke's just like that. The last of the Jedi. He's talking about Skywalker again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This episode of Steel Wars is brought to you by Harry's Shavers and their free trial offer. Harry Shavers was established by Jeff and Andy, two guys that realized that by offering top shelf shavers direct to the public, not through the middleman at the supermarket, they could kill the game in shaving. And that's what they've done. They brought their own German factory with over a hundred years of blade making experience, which to me is a lot of blade-making experience. All Harry's products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee, and Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor by selling directly to you over the internet and through me, telling you about it right now. This is how it's done. Now, here is the special offer. If you go to harrys.com forward slash steel wars you can claim your free trial offer what you get is a weighted ergonomic razor handle with five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade you've got to love that lubricating strip guys if, if your strip isn't lubricating i don't know what you're doing out there uh, you also get a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover Everything you need to test out the quality of Harry's shavers. It's $13 value for free. You just have to cover shipping, which when I did it was just $3. Which, if you spend $3 on shaving products at the supermarket, you're not coming out of the shop with that much. So not only do you get a top shelf shaving product, you're also helping the Steel Wars podcast by clicking the link harrys.com forward slash steel wars the link is in the podcast show notes and on the website harrys.com forward slash steel wars what character did you uh who's your guy or girl it's or f- droid like now uh, now it's palpatine uh, I think Palpatine's, and because it's also because of Darth, because of, uh, a great role model for any head of a media conglomerate. I, I'm telling you, man, James <laughs> uh, J- James Lucino, James Lucino helped even build him more. I mean, uh, minus Sheev, but other than that, Palpatine. It was just the what Palpatine. Sheev's a rad name. Sh- uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but she well, and what Pablo Hidalgo actually said recently that she was a name that Lucas had had for him a while ago it wasn't made up by Lucino and by the way that that didn't come from that did not come from the Plagueis novel that came from the Tarkin novel he he was the most interesting character of the prequels he really was his plan and what he did and 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 just how great Ian McDermott in general is but I think overall my 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 favorite character is Luke. I think that from what Luke does, the journey that he went on, what he's got to go on, the, the hero's journey, the it, it's it, again, Empire Strikes Back is the one that that's my favorite version of Luke. It's the I can do this. It's the it's kind of the the good, but still a bit cocky. The the stuff with Yoda on Dagobah is my favorite stuff in all of Star Wars, and. Um, it's that it's there's just so much the transition the development of what he goes through but yeah i'd say my two favorite characters are are palpatine and uh, and and luke have you seen the fan edit pulp empire i've seen a lot of fan edits but which which one's the pulp so, empire so this is like a tarantino re-edit oh, of really? empire no, strikes back no. so it's 
all like the storyline's non-linear, like okay. Pulp Fiction. So sure. you sort of see the end at the start, but there is a montage. So it's all set to music and stuff. And there's the Dagobah montage is set to Ground Control to Major Tom. Okay, it's amazing. Where's that on YouTube? I'll, I'll get you a link. Yeah, but please. if that's your favorite scene, like it is, yeah. set to Bowie, it's. Incredible. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's, it's so it's so fun. That's how much. That's how you know how much I love bad lip reading the YouTube channel uh-huh. because they murder that scene with uh, that song, rocking, rocking and rolling. But I can watch it so many different times. It's so funny. It's so funny. But you know, <laughs> talking about the seagulls, it kills me. Just some of the line, like just Yoda is just a tripped yeah. out little unit. The whole like you will be. Yeah, he's creepy at points. <laughs> he really, but the thing with Yoda. Is that and and if that doesn't that's I was on movie fights about two years ago or whatever maybe a year and a half ago and they were talking about and it was a Star Wars battle and they said who's the most important character in Empire Strikes Back and it, and I think it might, it might have even been in, in of all time and I said it's, it's Yoda because and on a practical level if Yoda does not work in Empire Strikes Back movie's over. If if you if that one scene if you don't take that little puppet serious if you say that's a puppet uh, that's not an alien it's a puppet it, it's you're you're it's over that's what we were just talking about before is how we buy in everything mm. we believe it it shatters all of that Luke becomes trained by some silly little puppet that you don't believe and and the whole movie sucks and the third and the third one doesn't really work either but massive salute to Hamill. Like the way he buys in, absolutely. But that's also a test. That and that was that was funny you say that because that was also my argument. Hamill, because I think someone argued against it and said something like, "Well, it was Hamill's Hamill's acting." Yeah, but Hamill is such a good actor; he needs to actually believe that Mm. he's talking to someone there that is not a human being, that is not a puppet, that is real, that is an alien being a master. And that's how good Frank Oz was. That was that was the argument. It was who had the best performance in Star Wars, and I said Frank Oz, because Frank Oz needed to make you believe that this this little creepy puppet was a Jedi master that how smart he was and that he would train our hero the guy we've been with since episode 4 now is going to listen to him and then the lines like my dad would quote Yoda my dad was to you know do or do not there is no try my dad quoted that all the time and it's so many quotable lines it's an amazing performance and a very underlooked performance by Frank Oz the one thing if Luke Skywalker and Yoda worked so well Han Solo would have just broken Yoda right like Harrison just wouldn't have had that that buy. Would have been interesting to see. Would have been very interesting to see how how Harrison Ford and and Yoda would have <laughs> would have done. But but look to Harrison's credit, he acted with Anthony Daniels in a in a golden suit and and his co pilot it was a big furry Wookie. Mm-hmm. So I mean he did it and that's how that's how good he is. Is that he probably would have done it anyway. What about uh, background characters? Which background characters? I mean, bounty hunters, I guess, and all. Again, I always go to Empire. Does Lobot count? I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. He's not the star of the film. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, you know, it's funny, I guess, because Star Wars fans are so invested and they know so many characters that, like, I guess you're right. I guess if I if I walked to somebody who's just a casual Star Wars fan, like, do you like Lobot? They're like, who the fuck is Lobot? You know, it's like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, Lobot was just, he he's always was, he was Lando's boy. You know, he just, he, he never let him down. And, and especially after learning more about his backstory in the Lando comic, mm-hmm. you like him even more so but yeah i just like you know when he's he, and you don't really know is he is he full cyborg is he like what is he, he kind of flips he, that is that that's that scene where he's just kind of sleeping <laughs> like, he just pops awake and and starts helping Lo, I've, i always responded to Lobot because they always remind me he was something straight out of flash gordon 
I mean, yeah. right out of Flash Gordon. Like we talk about the you know the visual dictionaries and all that and how rad they are, but there's also that like it's easy, like there's not one better or worse. But back then, like you see Lobot light up, there's no answers. You, you no. can't you can't send a tweet to you know Irvin Kirshner or whatever. Right. So it's just schoolyard debates and fights about what's Lobot's deal. Right. Well, I mean that's that is why. Everything you just said, that's why Boba Fett became so popular. Mm. Because it was the imagination. Like today, I wonder if Boba Fett would have been as popular today if he had the same amount of scenes and everything else too. Would people just say, oh, he was cool? Or would he become, he became a phenomenon because you wanted to know so much more about him because there was no, he just just cool looking. Like, what else did he do? And you started pretending you played him on a school, you pretended you were him as a, on a schoolyard. So, yeah, that's a great point. I think that there's a, it, it, there's a difference of who we turn into our stars in our minds but instead of tweeting out hey pablo who is this guy <laughs> yeah and and like back then you know much like there's there's snoke theories now there are yeah there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple yeah watch out someone will give you a lollipop um <laughs> but boba fett like when yoda said there is another like there was people going i it's boba fett it's going to turn out really? to be boba fett yeah. yeah i didn't know that yeah that that was such a like rad line right there is another it's great and then again you need to read that um that book the um from a certain point of view because he reveals yoda does that he wanted to train leia he didn't want to train luke he didn't want luke to come to dagobah he he like he says on the things that, who would well exactly well, like he was saying when he was he would he's like when he's talking to obi-wan when he first meets luke and he's like for years i've, I've watched him reckless you know and he's been watching Leia. He wanted to train Leia. So I thought that was very interesting. That's that's why when people ask now, what, was he referring to someone else? No, he was referring to Leia. Mm. You seem to love the connectivity of all the books. And I stuff. love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing. I was so happy when they did that because I I read a few Legends books, to be honest. I mean, I read the Zahn trilogy. Um, I read the Darth Bane trilogy by Drew Carpetian, Darth Plagueis. Read the um, Lucino is one of my favorite authors, and he and he did the uh, the Labyrinth of Evil trilogy, which connected into uh, Revenge of the Sith. But the problem with those books is they were so outrageous. A lot of them, Not, some of them were, were great, like the ones mm-hmm. I just mentioned. But then there were other ones where you know Chewie's getting killed by a moon, and and just there's so many. It was just disruptive. So it was like, it, then I started to feel cheated with Legends. I'm like, well, none of this stuff really happened in the, in the timeline. And they're fun stories, and yeah. the authors are very talented, but, but nothing really counts. Yeah, I, I think it got so far out for me where I was reading books about characters that I didn't know what they looked like. Right. Do you know what I mean? They were so far out from, from the actual movies. And I was like, oh, this is making me like star wars less yeah because it's not it's and the other problem the other thing too is because i knew and i had read that george lucas didn't give a shit about it Mm. he didn't care about it so when that that also i didn't read anymore and and, well the darth bane trilogy weirdly enough this is the the, the strange thing is that i remember i lived at this place about you know 12 years ago 10 12 years ago and on my bookshelf i looked up one day and i saw star wars book on there it was my bookshelf and i never bought this book and i don't know if i was hammered and somebody gave it to me as a present i don't know what what it was but it was just sitting there and i'm like what the hell is this and it was the first darth bane book and i just devoured it 
and I had to finish it. And and then um, that's why I'm hoping they get Drew Carpeshian to re- to write an actual canon book or an actual Darth Bane canon book. God, I hope Ryan Johnson does Darth Bane. God, I hope he does it. Um, but when they announced that they were going to... For everyone at home, there was just a raised fist. It was a total raised fist. <laughs> uh, raised my feet and everything else, too. That, please bring in Darth Bane uh, again. But it was... Um, I mean, speaking of which, when they when Dave Filoni... This is why Dave Filoni is like my hero. Dave Filoni, I always say, is like the heir apparent. Because Dave Filoni is that guy who... He's the one person I feel at Lucasfilm, more than anyone else, cares about the connectivity the most he'll 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 tweet you out a picture and go yeah yeah, yeah that per that that old soldier from jedi that's rex uh i hate that so at, maybe you do but what my point is my point is is that he always finds ways to connect whether it's like his character of saw guerrera granted lucas is too but found his way into rogue one i mean pablo hidalgo should should also get the the credit for this too but i mean hera is is mentioned in Rogue One. Chopper, you can be seen. Like he's doing stuff like that. He brought Thrawn into Rebels. So he I think is the most responsible for doing that stuff. And I hope that he's able to A get a live action film and direct it. But B that he brings more of these characters from the books and comics into it. I love like, you know, having Hera and Chopper in Rogue One was awesome. The Return of the Jedi thing with Rex I, I like I have a few real world reasons why I disagree with it. That that like Tamir Morrison's like a Maori, and right. you know this guy's Crushed Santa old, Claus, white guy. Yeah, so I, I there's that part of it where it's like you know respect the heritage. There's a lot of Maori people in Australia because we're next to New Zealand, sure. and and they're so honoured to be Maoris and to have that taken away from the character. That 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 sort of bums yeah, me that's out. Fair. And I also I like it when it's connected on purpose. Not, we're wedging this in. Here's a pat on the head. It's all connected, guys. Enjoy it. Right. I mean, I think that that was that was for the fans more more so because people had kind of come up with that theory, and mm. I think he just said, you know what, we'll give this to the fans that time. I think I think you make a very valid point, but I think that that's kind of why he did that. But I going back to your original question, it's just I like to see, what I want to see is I want to see Ray Sloan appear somewhere. She's mm. such a great character, yeah. and that's the reason I love all these stories and stuff too because there's been a lot like Afra's been a really great character that's been created um there's so many new interesting characters that are in this lore that can eventually show up and whether it's a new animated series there's now this rumor or, or not rumor there's it's it's that we're going to get a live action tv series there's so many of these new characters you can connect i want them to pay attention to that more because look honestly it doesn't matter to lucasfilm if the hardcore book fans get upset that Ray Sloan doesn't appear in a movie. But it is rewarding to them because the, 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 the hardcore fan, I mean, excuse me, the, the, the average fan doesn't give a crap or doesn't even know who Ray Sloan is. So that's who they think of. That's who you have to think of if you're marketing towards those people. But overall, I would like to see them just reward us just a little bit. Like how great would it be to see Jana's Jan- uh, character appear somewhere? From yeah. Battlefront 2, you know? Oh, that character is so good. Now, you say that Dave Filoni's the heir apparent. I do. I think Ryan Johnson is the heir. No, he can't be. He can, um, I think as far as his directing skills go, maybe. But he hasn't proven yet 
and we've all we've all done this. We've all granted him the keys to the castle after not even seeing his film. I'm guilty as well. Um, How good is that? It's amazing. Um, <laughs> it's amazing that we can do that. And we also we love Looper. We love Brick. So we're going to give that to him. But I know for a fact. Here, here's a reason why Dave Filoni is the heir apparent over Ryan Johnson. If I was going to have that that argument, because in order to be the heir apparent, you also have to work with the king before the king passed a lot of his secrets over to Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni was in the war room with Lucas every single day for years on the Clone Wars and learned what he did. He's at Lucasfilm. He has an office at Lucasfilm to where he is there working with everyone. He helps out on all of the films. He, he is there. He, he knows as much as Pablo Hidalgo as far as history, bots, those types of things. His overall knowledge in the Star Wars universe is something of legend. Um, it really is. So... I don't know enough about Ryan Johnson's knowledge. I know that I cannot wait to see everything that he he puts a camera on. Um, and I don't know, as far as directing-wise, if Dave Filoni can even match up to a fraction of what Ryan Johnson can do directing-wise. But I'm talking about overall Star Wars knowledge, Star Wars-based, Dave Filoni's the guy. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've thought about it a lot. And about how, you know, obviously George Lucas is the, uh, you know, the maker and, you know, he passed on all this information to Dave and they had all these, you know, who wouldn't pay to hear these conversations? Like, you talk about being a fly on the wall. Sure. But maybe it's... Like, I've, I've sort of been thinking about it that... But then it takes someone else to come in and take what's been put and then take it off in their direction. Mm-hmm. And it's not a photocopy of someone else's ideas... Like, it's almost like that Ryan Johnson's not bound by these things that George Lucas said. Right. That, like, maybe Dave Filoni, you know, there's obviously, like, when you saw them on stage together at Celebration, like, it was endearing to right. see them together. Right. Uh, that it's... You think he follows the rule book of George? Yeah. And I think he goes away from it, though. I do. I think that he's, he's, I think he's proven that he's gone away from it. I think he's, gone, I think he's probably done stuff in Rebels that, that Lucas wouldn't have done. And I think that there's even things that maybe he attempted that were ballsy in, in Clone Wars. But my point is more than just the creating itself. Like, look at, so I think that the best way to, to say it is who's the overall face of your Star Wars story, right? And right now it's Kathleen Kennedy who's in charge of it all. But as far as like that, who's there, Kevin Feige? Right, and Kathleen Kennedy is not a Kevin Feige. Kathleen Kennedy is an incredible producer. She is a great producer, but she's not going to be the one that is in. She loves Star Wars, certainly. Otherwise, she would never have her job. But she's not going to be doing what Pablo and um, and like Leland Chi and. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, and Filoni are doing the same in the same way. She's out there making the deal. She's out there because it's being this badass producer. But these guys haven't that that that's that thing. That, that that Feige has for Marvel. And I don't know if Ryan Johnson has that. He very well might. I don't know enough about him yet. I think he's someone that 
if you told me down the line that he was a guy that he's working at Lucas now and he's just going to be the guy that is overall in charge of all of Lucasfilm, I'm not. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I I, like, I don't even want him to be in charge of Lucasfilm because that's. Do you know what I mean? You, you know what it's like when you're like creative and you've got business things at the right, same time. Right. It's it's taxing. It is. Um, but yeah, I, I think with that, I don't know. It is weird how much credit we're giving them, him because he's just so delightful to talk to about Star Wars. And he's, you know, it just, it feels like one of us with a lot of skill right. and the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, he cares. Yeah. yeah. But... On you know we just did the Jedi Council show yesterday, yeah. and I've I've been having such fun looking like interacting with everyone on the YouTube comments. Sure. They're um, actually like you've developed a remarkably good fan base for YouTube, as far as as far as Jedi Council, as goes, far as like the comments go. As when it comes to Jedi Council, yeah, we we've we've been pretty lucky. I mean, you still get you still get some people like I. I love um, Tiffany Smith and Perry Nemiroff and, and our, our mutual friend Ashley Crozen. Um, but YouTube is a horrible place for women. It, it is. You can't. The second a, a woman shows up, it's like, oh, I don't know, Star Wars. And all, all the women I just mentioned know Star Wars back and forth. And Perry knows as much as the canon stuff as I do. And they're just, that's the only thing I'd really like to clean up. And I do, I delete comments when people are, are nasty to the women. But, um, but for the most part, the Jedi Council fans are really phenomenal and, they, and they're, they're passionate. Yeah, because I was like, like it's, I think last time I looked at it was about 400 comments. And, you know, I was just interested to see how, you know, it played out. And, you know, being a new person on the show, you know, sometimes people are very, I don't want you. Right. I want... I want the old ones. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so I was yeah. very interested. But a, f- a few people brought up, which I, I found to be very valid. It's just like, you guys are just praising Ryan Johnson like you've seen the film 13 times. Yeah, yeah we and- get that every week. <laughs> <laughs> and they're right. But they're, but they're right. I mean, we could come out of this with egg on our face. We could come out of this thing. If, if the movie stinks, then it's like, oh, maybe you guys, A, shouldn't have been praising him, and B, now you have three movies you got to deal with this guy, and then C, you still think he's the heir apparent still? <laughs> <laughs> but the flip side of that is we're going to be walking around like John Travolta and staying alive if, if, if it comes down to one of the best Star Wars movies of all time. <laughs> Wondering what Star Wars t-shirt to wear to The Last Jedi? Ask yourself no more, as the Steel Wars merch store has been updated for the holiday season. We've just been restocked in the infamous Your Snoke Theory Sucks tees in navy, black, and white. You can reveal the true lineage of Ray's family with the I'm Ray's Parents t-shirt, or you can live out the dream of a four-year-old boy with the Ignite the Green tea available for the first time. Plus, we've just got new stock in the cast lineup t-shirt with Pog, Pog, Pog and Pog. Check it all out at steelwars.com. And instantly, with every t shirt or sticker purchase, you get 10 premium episode downloads, all while supporting the podcast you're listening to right now. Check it all out at steelwars.com. Let's talk about, you know, Collider and, and Schmoes. No. Yeah. How did it all begin? Um, I mean, the short story of it is that I was. 
so I was this I was a stand up comedian for a very long time, regular at the comedy store and the improv and and I was doing colleges and and I also got myself a job working in feature film de- film development um for Joel Silver. And I was working for Silver for a little bit and I had set up some projects over there and went back into stand up and yada yada yada. But at the time and like this was like two thousand and seven, um my friend was working over at it's not it's not a thing anymore but it was called current tv and it was like al gore had started it and it was an online thing and she had asked me she's like hey we're gonna have to just pay people this was like foreign back then turn the camera on themselves and review like television and movies no one's doing that nobody was doing it back then and then so we're like all right whatever she's like we'll pay you in pizza and beer and i was like cool she's like yeah you know anybody funny I could do it. And I was like, yeah, but Ken wasn't available, so I had to call Ellis. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, uh, but no, I knew, I, had knew, I knew Ellis. I knew Ellis from, uh, from doing, he was in my television pilot that I shot. So he and I, um, I, I, I told him kind of what it was. And it was funny because back then the camera was on me. I gave my review, then the camera was on him, and they, they intercut it together. And, and it, there was like 15 or 20 other people that they did it, and they liked us the best. So every week we started doing things together, but we we're still intercut. And then I think after like 10 reviews, I said, why don't we just sit on camera together and do it? So we did that. It worked. Um, then after we got, we kind of got screwed because we were, they were supposed to develop the show Rotten Tomatoes. They said that we got it. We were putting together this, this deal that we were going to host it. We were in Alaska doing a stand-up thing. And then we found out that they basically gave it to two other hosts but never called us. We, like, the, I'm telling you that the deal was like done pretty much done it's not signed and then we went to alaska and it was like they announced in the trades that the show's coming out but it wasn't us <laughs> and we were like what the hell is going on like, that's a nice way to find out right but you you were physically and metaphorically in alaska 100 <laughs> percent, like like <laughs> clueless in an igloo and and i was uh but i um but it worked because i remember being all bummed out about it when it happened i was just like i mean unbelievable we just put all this into it and now nothing so we get back, um, we get back, and we're and we start thinking, well, what do we want to do? We're having fun doing this together. Do we want to just stop, or do we want to figure out another way to do it? And I said, why don't we try to put it on YouTube? So nobody's doing movie reviews on YouTube, and nobody was. It was it was us, Grace Randolph, who's still doing it now. Um, Spill, who is now double toasted, but they were Spill, and maybe one or Fury the film fan, and like one other person. There was no Jeremy Johns, there was no Stuckman, nobody was around back then. So we started doing it on YouTube, and at the time I was in between jobs and I was temping, and I was working for Peter Roth, who was like the head of Warner Brothers Television and stuff too, he ran it, ran it all. But I, well, not, that's not what I wanted to do in my career, so I basically was just adding and finding subscribers through our YouTube channel and putting up videos, finding subscribers. We would go to the movies. We would watch three in a row on a Saturday. Like now we go to press screenings. We're certified by Rotten Tomatoes and all stuff. But that wasn't like that back then. It was just two idiots and with baseball hats talking about movies. Like, who are these guys? This isn't Leonard Maltin. You know, and then we just kept doing it. We kept pressing on it. And in, and we were just really pounding the pavement. So our first kind of big wave that we took was, I think, in like 2002, 10, because we started the channel, I think, at the, the end of 2008. So 2009's when we really hit the pavement. 2010, we started doing a comedy show over at this place, Room 5, which doesn't, it's not, a bit, not around anymore. But my friend, Naveed Makalarji, who was a producer, he, he, um, he got up on stage and they covered him, because he'd never done stand-up before, but he, he came up on stage and they covered him in, in like, on like Deadline, because he did it, because he was this producer. And, but they had credited the Schmoes No Show. So then he's like, I want to go up again because I got a lot of heat from that thing. So he does it, and Adam Carolla's 
uh, producer came out to see him. So he de- he does the show, and then they ask him to come on the Corolla show. And I said to Naveed, I'm like, why aren't we why aren't we on a Corolla show? He's like, I'll bring the guy by again. So he brings him by again. We talk to him, and he put us on Corolla. So we we're on Corolla, and at the time, three or four thousand subscribers. We kept doing uh, Corolla, and we got some more notoriety there. I had so I've been friends with Katie Sackoff for a long time. So is this? Corolla after he like got fired and started his own yeah yeah this, yeah. When, this is when his co- podcast blew up yeah his podcast blew up in I think it was like 2008 or 9 or whatever it was and it was it was huge it was like the biggest podcast and so and the fact that we got on there were like 3,000 4,000 subscribers was, was a big thing so we started doing it and like I said we also got some uh, notoriety through my friends that I knew because Katie was still on Battlestar Galactica at the time she brought fans over that way um, and then when we 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 were doing the show for Corolla for probably about a year. And they said, um, they said, look, well, I can't remember who said it, but they're like, why don't you guys do your own podcast? It makes no sense. Oh yeah. And we started doing our own podcast. We started in my, in my living, like my, my daughter's bedroom, which wasn't, I didn't have a daughter at the time. It turned into my daughter's bedroom. Um, and then, um, from, that, that makes the story so much more it's, normal. It's so much normal. Right? We're here in the nursery and we're talking, but films. it was going to be, but it was going to be the nursery eventually. And we kept c- continuing on when, like, after my wife had gotten pregnant, it was like, it was going to be the nursery. And it was like, eventually we're going to have to get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> and which we, we did because I was a producer. I was, I was a producer on the, on the bachelor for a little bit. And while I was there on the weekends, I would come in and we would, record the podcast ivan reitman's daughter uh Catherine reitman was our co-host for a little bit and we just started building up the fan base we weren't on video yet we weren't on video we didn't take take it to video until um until like 2012 where we went over to toad hop and that was the first time that we were all on video kind of doing that like kind of howard stern for movies type thing but nobody was doing those long form video shows at the time either so mm-hmm. we did that we brought it there and we kind of gained some success there and so how like What's Collider? Yeah. Like, I know it's, like, part of Complex, but is is did Collider bring you in? Did you make Collider? I, I don't really understand no, so, how that all... No, so, well, first of all, Collider.com, which is a very popular movie website, was started by Steve um, Frosty Weintraub, and he, he built it. He, he built it this big online go-to place for movie news, mm-hmm. and Complex then bought Co- Collider... From him and with that bought the YouTube channel but the YouTube channel I, I think it had like 10,000 subscribers or maybe when they bought it from him so I was doing my podcast um, and doing the Schmoes No Show and that's all I was doing with Schmoes and I will and I'm working as on The Bachelor but and we built up the community we built I brought Ken over there I brought Riley and Makuga Ellis we had, we had all these Tiffany Smith we had all these people over there and so AMC Movie Talk was a show that I had heard of and Erin Darling was on our show one day and she was on it and she and I knew she was on AMC Movie Talk and I was like, I'd love to do that show one day and she's like, well, I'll reach out to John Campia who was running um, AMC Movie Talk. So she did and John said he had heard of Schmoes and knew what Schmoes was and he, and he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be on the show. I did AMC Movie Talk. He and I hit it off pretty well um, and then I just started doing AMC for a while and then he asked me to become a regular for AMC Movie Talk, I kind of joined the crew the over at AMC Movie Talk at the time. It was myself, Alicia Malone, and um, Miri Jedikin. And then about eight or nine months later, we got Ellis to join the a- AMC Movie Talk. So somewhere inside of all of that, and I guess it was maybe, I don't know, a year or two, AMC and Collider made a deal 
that or complex made a deal that AMC would now excuse me Collider would take over all of the AMC shows and inside of that was Movie Talk John Schnepp's Heroes and My Jedi Council which I started on AMC Ah, okay. So all three of those sh- shows started on AMC. He- John Schnapp started Heroes. I started Council, and Campia started uh, Movie Talk. So all three of those shows were were over there, and then they got shuffled over to Collider. Um, and then once we made the announcement that we were leaving AMC and that we were going to become Collider Movie Talk, Collider Jedi Council, then the subscriber base we were at the time three hundred thousand subscribers over at AMC. Then a lot of them jumped over. It took a little bit, but they jumped over and, and came over. So. That's kind of the the answer to that question. Is then we started. Then the, then the network started getting built, and then more shows started, and more crew started coming over, and 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 so on and so on. And so, how does the schmoes fit into that yeah. media puzzle? We we were like part of the deal with with like myself and Mark was I didn't come over as a full time employee with Collider when I came over. I was I was freelance, so I would do. I would do Jedi Council freelance. I would do all these shows freelance, and um, and then they wanted Mark and I to be on a lot. They wanted us to do movie talk all the time. They wanted me to do Jedi Council. They wanted they wanted a deal, um, and so I was going to. I was the Schmozno show for about a year and a half was on the Afterbuzz. Well, we weren't on the Afterbuzz network. We did shows from their studio. I was looking for a new place for the live show to go, so. I was looking at a bunch of different places, and I was actually about to take it to Screen Junkies. It was going to go to Screen Junkies. So John Campy had called me up. He goes, before you do that, let's have a conversation. Maybe there's something that we can figure out with, like, Complex, because you guys are over here doing so much stuff with us. Maybe there's a way that we can figure out how to do um, schmoes. So we did. We had conversations. We made a deal that they would house and fund the Schmoes No Show. They would give us, you know, a certain amount of money to pay for our crew. Um, They would let us build a set they would do all these things and and they would pay myself and mark to be part of it and then eventually now i'm a full-time employee now at complex and and collider but that was that was gradual i didn't have a title i was just i was just a contributor now i'm running run now i'm running development and and content um but that that just that just took a, li- a little bit to get there and i also pitched the schmodown because the schmodown was a sh- was a half an hour bit on the schmoes no live show and I pitched it as a game show that would become weekly, and they then gave me a budget to do that. Yeah, that is such a... It's a weird beast, the showdown. Like, yeah. you invited me to... When when I sort of first moved out, you said, come watch a taping. And I, I, I knew it was trivia. I'd sort of seen the Star Wars ones, and I didn't get the, the, like the wrestling aspect. Right. And the moment I sort of started seeing you film all the little um, vignettes and stuff, I was like... Ah, like you're a wrestling guy. You got yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so it seems like like wrestling's like predetermined, right? And then with scripted vignettes, this seems like it's not determined with vignettes that sort of you see what happens. That's what you have to do because, like, so someone asked me recently, how do you how do you prepare if you have a storyline that you want to go, but someone wins the game that you didn't expect? I go, you have to prepare for both outcomes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So if 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 Steel Saunders is playing Ken Knapsack, I have to then decide if the what's the story of Steel wins, what's the story of Ken wins. 
um, that you always have to be ready for that because, but, and then you can lead up to it. You can lead up to, like, as, if I know that Steel and Ken are playing, what's the storyline leading up to Steel and Ken? And then what will I do on the, in the case of both outcomes? Obviously, that's more challenging to come up with the two different storylines. Right. Is, is it more fun? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Because it's, it's fun and sometimes it's disappointing because I have an idea of which one I want. The number one rule, again, I'm going to curse here, is never fuck with the game. You can't because that's when it becomes, that's when it, it, you're not being true to the audience. You're not being like, I want the game part to be like UFC. I want the game to be. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's actually probably more like UFC. The because, game is. Cause, yeah, because yeah, UFC is more like professional wrestling than a lot of people would care to admit. Sure. With the, you know, people that want to build up their Tom personalities yeah, 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 and, yeah, totally. and, and be a villain and make people want to see pay to see them get beat right right and uh that seems like a real like similar thing like the the games are untarnished but then everything around it is absolute it is and i mean you could and it's one of those things where you you go in there and the guy you think or guy or girl you think is going to win gets caught on the chin and loses and it's like well who thought that person was going to win? i mean this whole tournament this year both tournaments None of the favorites won. Everybody got flipped on their head, and this whole thing went was, and it was great. It was great for us. But um, but yeah, I always have the ideas plotted out of who, and there's like the big characters. And the good thing is that when I pitched it, not when I pitched it, but when I started telling people exactly what I was doing, when you tell people initially you're going to do movie trivia with a wrestling element, they they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" You know. And then, like you said, when you see it and you see everyone doing it, you're like, oh, this is fun. I get it. I understand. I'm, I, I want to be part of this. Now I'm in a phase to where most people get it and are really embracing it. I'm quite taken with like the fan community around it that they're like they've got their reaction videos and, and fantasy leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh, that, that, that stuff's really cool. Yeah. What was sort of like with Jedi Council, sure. what do you think, was it just the longevity of it or like it is such a, like in that Star Wars, the unofficial Star Wars media, yeah. you know what I mean? Not, not with Lucasfilm. It seems to be, you know, the gold standard of what's going on. I think without question, the most viewed like non-official Star Wars media. Um, I, I mean, we do, we've been doing okay for a little bit. I mean, I think so the way that whole thing came about was that I had, um, I had gone in for a meeting at Geek Nation um, a few years ago and Brian, the guy who was running it, we had a conversation about working together and doing something together. And I had always wanted to do a Star Wars show and he's like, well, it's funny you say that. I want to do a Star Wars show. Let's do a Star Wars show together. So I started doing Far, Far Away. And it was an audio show. It was just a complete audio podcast. And it was myself and it was Tiffany Smith and it was and it was somebody else. And, and we were doing audio the whole time. So then I started working, like I said, with AMC. And I wanted to do a video Star Wars show. I wanted to do a, like a full, like, you know, at the time, 20-minute, half-an-hour Star Wars show. So, And I had pitched it to Campia and I was right across the street over here in, at the AMC Burbank. And he's like, you think that people are going to want to listen to a Star Wars show every week? And I said, I know they will. I mean, even if they listen to it on a podcast, they'll, they'll watch it. They'll watch it. What what era? Like, where are we in in Star Wars? I mean, this is fran- 2000 and 2014. We're right before The Force Awakens. Like, 2013, 2014. So, it was, had, I think I pitched it at the end of 2013. Had Disney bought it yet? Yeah, they bought it in 2012. Okay. So, that's why. Wow, so that's... That's why I thought it would work, yeah. That's impressive. I would have thought you've been going longer to have built up that... Not Jedi. No, Jedi... Jedi I think I think the first Jedi we ever did was on AMC was in 2014. What's your lead story? 
The first story we ever did? Oh, man. You know, it's funny because we did like a mini series. I think it was like a casting thing. I think it was I think it was a mini it was on AMC. It was a mini series uh, that we did four episodes for because we wanted to test out if I was indeed correct that people would watch it. Um, and I think it was who would be in the cast of The Force Awakens because the cast wasn't announced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did. It was myself, John, Paul Enns, who was a former um, Lucasfilm employee, and Kyle Newman. We're, we're all on the first episode. And that was like, again, it was the miniseries version of it. Then when we launched the full series on AMC, I, I, I can't remember what the lead story was. I really, I can't, I mean, I don't remember. Um, but I know that, so the, or I can tell you that the cast was myself, John, and Maud Garrett. And oh, cool. Those were, those were the three. Maud, Maud was our co-host for, I think, the first 15 or 20 episodes of the the new version of it, the actual weekly version and sort of what was your like ethos for how you wanted to cover star wars you know it it was similar to what i did on far far away and i would grab i would grab i would grab articles from from websites and i would i would look at them and i and i type in in google and find out what the latest and what people were talking about and and it was less structured far far away i would just talk very similar to what we're just doing here. I'd say you bring it up and like, oh, you know, they just said that Fastbender might be in a role in a thing. What do you think about that? And we would just talk about it conversational. Um, and then as it progressed, I was like, well, why don't we, I'm going to format it a little bit more. I'll take the top news stories. But what I also want to do is I want to take all the stuff that's going on with the books and the comics and we'll just call it like, what's the deal with Canon? And we put all that stuff in the second part of it. And then Maude had actually had a suggestion about, we don't do it as much anymore, and I love it. It's, it's, a, it's called Address the Council. So if you wanted to come on and there's a particular thing that was either bugging you or that you wanted to talk about, or let's say that this, the, I want to address the council and I want to, why are we deeming um, Ryan Johnson the, the heir apparent? When, or maybe the, the exact opposite of that. This is why I say Ryan Johnson is the heir apparent, and that would be your address to counsel. I, something I'd like to bring back. And then Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the format is kind of always, it's been there for the most part, tweaked a little bit, but that's kind of what I thought would work, and I've been lucky that it has worked pretty well for us. But what about what sort of like style of coverage? Or I, just like how, like what tone you should take and... I think the tone comes with the personalities. Yeah, I think that uh, that's uh, that's that's like in anything, it's a casting thing too. So, like you, you were just talking about before, with like you were happy with the comments, I knew you would. The fans were going to like you because you could you could because you can just fit in and you can have conversations. You can talk. You you're not someone else. When you're you're gonna you're gonna be yourself. You're gonna be steel no matter what. You're gonna you're gonna have those conversations and you're gonna show your passion for Star Wars. That's the one thing Jedi Council fans want to see. They want to see you know you know Star Wars, but they also want to see that you can just hang and have a good conversation and have fun. And that's what I think everyone on the council does. I think that from myself to Ellis to Perry to Ken and the other, and the other advantage that myself and Ken and Ellis had had is that we've been working together for so long together that it's just that thing that I always I've known that Ken is a big Star Wars fan and I know that Mark is and I know that we can just kind of go back and forth and always chat about Star Wars hey you guys I hope you're enjoying this episode with Christian Harloff and stick with us it just gets better if you've been on the fence about signing up for our patreon to access all our bonus content this month i have a special offer to get you on board for five dollars you get a month of access to all our archives and ongoing bonus content plus i will send you a 10 
pack of Steel Wars stickers, including your Snoke Theory Sucks, our podcast lineup sticker, our much-awaited Ignite the Green sticker, and a special mystery sticker not available anywhere else. Ten stickers in all, as well as a month of access to 300-plus archived episodes and bonus content just for $5 and you get to support the podcast you're listening to right now. Whether you want the content or the stickers or both, pretty sweet deal. The link is in the show notes or just click steelwars.com forward slash cyber. What is it like that, like we're in this for everyone, we're in this like in Burbank, in this sort of office block studio There's this, this big studio with a couple sets. There's a lot of offices with. There's always whenever I'm here, the place is teeming with people. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. always like, do all these people work here? Are they just hanging out? Are they? Yeah, they work here. They work here. That that it's all sort of built on you know what like a little idea that you and Mark had so many years. Yeah, ago. well, to be fair, the Collider stuff is you know a lot of. I mean, so schmoes. If you see, if you're talking about like myself and Ken and Ellis, um, Copster, Cody, um, Riley, like guys like that, uh, Tiffany, if they're here, those were all people that I kind of brought in and that the Schmoes, but when it comes to like Dennis Zen, who has been here from the beginning, he was part of, he was a start of Movie Talk, um, Thad, um, uh, just the other, part, the other parts of the team, Collider was, I brought in a lot of people, John Campy brought in a lot of people, it was, this place was uh, frosty from startingcollider.com, it is, it's been collective, so I'm not going to take the credit on Collider because because Frosty started that whole thing. Campia had a lot to do with um, Movie Talk and the success over here. And then I am very proud of the fact that the team that I built over at Schmoes and that we were able to contribute over here. And then being at the top of the heap, you're also you're the guy to bring down in some retrospects. How so? Oh, what I do? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. How did you go when the nerd crew brought out oh. the, those series of videos? Yeah, it's funny though. I don't care about it because it's like it's, the, the first thing is I'm a fan of Red Letter Media, mm-hmm. um, and I and I love like the Phantom Menace breakdown and all the stuff that they did there. Like, yeah, well, that's sort of what I was getting at with the tone. Like, yeah. I like it's you know their their take on it is so full on, but it's that's the brand. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I I kind of I don't. Like I don't want to hear everyone talking about Star Wars like that, but I like hearing them talk about it. Yeah, because that's well, they they had that comedic take, and they and they rip on it. My my issue is not with Red Letter Media at all. My issue is with the fans that come in here and just they'll they'll come in with like a vitriol, like and then it's like we get it, guy. You've seen the video, and now you're writing very cool. Like we 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 lo- like. Ken and I laugh at it. We, we'll, we'll look at we'll look at the camera and go, "Very cool, uh huh, uh huh." And we'll not. It's funny. I mean, it's, those guys are funny, and I've been and I've been on shows with them before too. Like, um, and it's like the, it's not them. It's that the fact is like I can't watch Collider Council now that I've seen the Nerd Crew. It's like, dude, y- y- don't be a moron. It's like there. It's like you can have you can have fun. You can watch the jokes. You can have fun with it. But I think that. It takes a, it's the right type of person that can laugh and understand what good comedy is. And then there's other people who don't understand, take it too far. And it's like, I don't like when people will watch Jedi Council and judge us for being fans. It's like, well, who the fuck are you? It's like, not, not readily to meet you, but like the, the fans of those people that are just like, well, yeah, they must obviously, they're paid off by Disney. Really? 
or paid off by Disney because I because I think that the Last Jedi trailer looks good. You know, it's, it's it, that part of it gets. I just like the budgeting for like why do you have to pay people to say positive things about, about Star, Star Wars? Wars right, on the right. It seems um, people seem pretty happy to do it for free. That's my point. So um, to answer your question, no, I, I think it's uh, it's it's funny they've made they've they've done well for themselves with it. And to be honest, too, it's great publicity. Yeah, it's great publicity. No, but that's what I mean. Like yeah. it is like to be parodied. Like they're not doing like like Family Guy isn't doing a Last Starfighter parody, right? They're doing Star Wars, right? Do you know what I mean? So to have like it's, I think like a friendly diss, but it's also a compliment. I mean, it's it's I think in a bit, but I also I think that those guys also will like taking shots and the fact that they that I think that they do have a thing against certain the way certain people review it to where it's like they they might. I could see them all in, in a room going, why does everyone have to review every trailer? I don't understand. Let's, let's, let, we should do a skit about it, and we should joke about it, and then you know, we'll put Star Wars figures all over the place, and we'll be like over-agreeing on everything. It's going to be hysterical, and they're right. It is. But I think that the fact that when they started doing it, I mean, not going to lie, our numbers went up. Our yeah. numbers went up. So, I mean, that's, if they want to keep doing it, great. And, and I, I'll tell and like every single time, I have no problem, and I've made this clear, if if it's like someone who just kind of references and jokes around about things, like saw a red leader media, oh, I see the similarity. This is funny. Great. If you start coming in here like this is why you suck, red leader is right. F you. I delete it. I, I I have no problem. I feel that this. I feel like this. Um, you can look at a YouTube channel or a podcast channel like your store. If somebody comes into your store with their pants off, you can kick them out of your store. So if somebody walks into my store and it's not free speech, people are like, oh, you're 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 hurting free speech. No, free speech is is stopping you from saying something where where you are. If you come into my place and you start saying things I don't want you to say, you can get the hell out of here. Now, I'm not talking about criticisms. Criticisms are a necessity to help your business grow. Mm. You need people to say, hey. I don't necessarily like this part, but this. But there's also ways to do it to where you're not insulting people, you're not bullying people. It's bullying and picking on people that I just, I, you know, and maybe it's because I'm a dad. I don't know. I just, but I, but I don't put up with it. Well, there's definitely like I am such a fan of well thought out criticism, right? But you know, I, I know sometimes with people they take it. You know, in this age, it's their right to tell someone that they suck, right? And it's like, no, it's actually a privilege. If it's noisy outside, you close the window. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly right. One of the the points that they joke about, which I'm interested on a serious note to find out about, is that they they often parody your relationship with Lucasfilm. Yeah. And is that hard for you to... Because obviously you've got a good relationship. You do stuff at Celebration, intertwined with stuff like that. Is it hard to work with a company and then sort of comment on them at the same time and how do you balance that out no because the funny thing is it's exactly what you said before with star wars right why do people realize that i have a good relationship with disney more so than lucasfilm right because disney's the one that sends Mm -hmm. you to the celebration disney does because the reason you know that is because disney has star wars and disney has marvel i have a very good relationship with warner brothers i have a very good relationship with fox i have a very good relationship with focus films but you don't know about all that stuff because they don't have star wars you know what i mean (laughs) it's like but right and i don't do a show about all of focus films movies or or i don't do shows about all these these particular uh paramount films right if i did then you're like oh wait a minute 
because I talk about Paramount Films when I go and review them, and they send me to see them all the time. There's events that they send us to go. Today, I went to a Warner Brothers event. I went to a Warner Brothers event where they, I, I tested out VR, and I did some stuff for VR, and they had me on the lot, and I did some stuff, and it's, part of, it's one of the perks of being in media. Now, it also means that I'm, I am well aware that I might not like the thing that they sent me to. People always say to me, too, like, I don't talk about the prequels very well. By the way, I don't really, I didn't love Rogue One. And, and it doesn't matter. It's, I saw a comment the other day, well, Harloff loved Rogue One. Who, Brian Harloff? You know, like, I, 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 I didn't love Rogue One. I thought it was okay, and I've talked about it before. I've crapped on tons of things, but they always want, if there's a certain point of view that they want to perceive you to be, mm. then that's how they're going to see you. And you live with that as when you, you know, when you have to accept this is what we do. Yeah, it's it's weird. I've been accused of being a prequel hater yeah. and a prequel apologist. That's what I'm saying. You can't win. <laughs> you, can't, like, you can't win. I'm kind of in the middle, actually. It's, it's not as good as what people say. Right. It's not as bad as what people say. I tell say. you, I've come around a little bit on the prequels, and, and I realized why. And I still think that overall they were not executed well. But I, what we were just talking about, when I thought that they were the last thing we ever were going to have, I was just like, Really? That was my that was the main course. Now it's just an appetizer, mm. and I'm like, oh, there's so much more meals that we're gonna get. So I'm okay with that. The appetizer it tastes good, but like, there's a lot more meals to come. I'm gonna be full for like the next ten or fifteen years. Yeah, I am exactly in that spot. Yeah. Like, like you know, when I was talking about that that sort of dark feeling coming out of Revenge of the Sith, it was also just like we had three, like we only had three more chances at Star Wars films, right? kind of wish it was just a little bit more polished that's where the anger came from from a lot of fans because i think that you don't hear about as much as the, the bashing and that it was getting because that's all you thought that's the end that was the end of star wars that was the last you were going to get of it and that was it so it was even if you think the movies were just just okay that was it and now you know we're gonna get last jedi we're gonna get solo we're gonna get episode nine we're gonna get a new trilogy from ryan johnson it's like okay let the prequels I don't care if the prequels are just okay. Yeah, because there's less pressure on them now. Exactly. They so now I can enjoy right like the the foibles. Although that head swapping thing, I, I still which one the C three PO head swap. Oh, the head swap thing. I can't get past. You know, there's, there's some there's some goofy stuff. There's some goofy stuff in the prequels. There's no doubt about it. I mean, like we were going over in the office the other day. Like we were going to rank because there's there's ten theatrically released movies, including the Last Jedi, right? And we were ranking them like from one to ten and one of the guys in the office had sith as number one and i think sith has a lot of good things out of the prequels it's definitely the best one um but there's so much they got wrong with that movie i mean were you a fan of lost yeah so you know that end scene in where, where jack is fighting like fake lock on like the volcano really mm-hmm. whatever it was and that, that's the fight that we should have seen and it should have looked like that it should have looked real like that instead it was a CGI fest the emotions were there the lightsaber fight itself was brilliant but the I think the practical effects kind of took over too much the there's there's a lot of different things inside of that um, but it was just it's just interesting how people perceive the prequels some people love them as like I said my buddy putting it number one and then there's other people who feel that there could have been done better yeah, I, I definitely think with the extra films, like they're going to become, as well as people sort of getting older, like with a voice, right. like, do you know what I mean? Kids that grew up, yeah, yeah. that they were their movies and now they're sort of like 20 something and they're making their own media. It's crazy, yeah. But yeah, not having the pressure is, uh, 
It's good. Yeah. It is good. Thanks so much for your time, Christian. Thanks for having me, man. It's I been, um, and I should I, I didn't really get to say this on the show, on, on, on your show. Like everyone that I've interacted with, like um when I've been here to do stuff has been like a class act and it's like so I have to like thank you for that. Oh, no, and, and and sort of building a you know, a cool community. Thank you very much. I mean that's that that means a lot. And I actually someone that I, I credit for that is Adam Sandler. I credit Adam Sandler, even though he might have really shitty movies over the last like 10 years, one thing he always did well was keeping, and it was something I read about, you always keep people around you that obviously that you trust, be that are your friends, people that you want to continue to work with over and put together the right team and you can accomplish anything. So, and I appreciate that you feel that way because that's kind of what I hope when people come in here. It's one of the best compliments that we get is that people always have a good time when they're at Collider. And I think that it should be a safe place for people. I think it should be a place that people have fun um, being at and that people feel encouraged to be creative. And I think, I don't know, because it's got such a name and people, I find this with a lot of like people on the internet that are sort of like personalities or, you know, have a voice that people from afar sort of like they project like right. it's like oh that guy thinks he's like this or whatever they don't want anything to do with me and 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 I've found with pretty much everyone I've met is if you go up and engage and and offer a lollipop right they might be stunned right or think you're a lunatic <laughs> did we even say the <laughs> lollipop story did we actually get yeah we talked about okay, it okay yeah, yeah, yeah. no but I don't know if we like really exp- so at celebration the first before it had started, I just arrived and I saw you, and I'm yeah. like, I know that guy off the internet. He's friends with my friend Ken. Right, right. And I said, Hey, he's a lollipop, and you just. <laughs> I was like, because I, you know, I mean, you don't know what the hell's going on. So I was like, Thanks, man. <laughs> so we had a cool accent, so it worked out. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I appreciate it. Same thing with you. It's like you came in here, and it's like you just um, you have a lot of fun, you got a lot of personality, and I think that. Whether it's this Schmodown Council, I'm sure we'll we'll do a lot of things. And it's funny because you say that about. I think it's that it's fair that from everybody that you you can judge somebody from seeing them and thinking, well, that person might be that particular way, but it takes a certain kind of person to say, well, let's sit down, let's talk, and let's find out if a I'm right or b I was wrong or c I was right, but we can we can be friends because of you know various different reasons. Now, we ask this of every guest. We've now, more than ever, every time I do the podcast, it seems like even more, infinite amount of Star Wars stories to be told. Like, what are you most looking forward to or would most like to happen in the Star Wars universe? I really, I mean, we talked about it on Council. Um, I want that Old Republic. I mean, it doesn't have to be Revan. It doesn't have to be. I want to see... Because I think that the, the tricky part with the Old Republic, the way it stands now, even Legends, is that you know Knights of the Republic takes place like three thousand years before Episode Four. It doesn't need to be that long. They they have the ability to retcon it. You could essentially put it eight hundred years before Episode Four and still call it the Old Republic. Um, and Yo- and Yoda could still be around, you know, if you wanted to do it. But I want to see something. I want to see the birth of the Jedi. I want to see the birth of the Sith. I want to see those wars that we heard about with the Jedi and the Sith. I want to see a full on battle with Jedi and Sith on the on the battlefield with red sabers and blue and green and and yellow sabers. I want to see that. I want to see the extinction of the Sith with Darth Bane and the creation of the rule too. I think there's so much with the lore that you brought up the point on Jedi that I thought was brilliant was the fact that the way that Ryan Johnson is setting up The Last Jedi, that he might give you that window 
of the of the myths and the uh, of the Jedi and and the history and and let's pursue that a little bit more in the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Yeah, and the other thing is like genuine connections, right? Architect, like someone has designed the like connection. Rex and Jedi. <laughs> Trolled right, on my right. own podcast. Right. Delete comment block. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. Thanks so much, Christian. For those that don't know, where can the good people of the internet track down your internet presence? Well, if you want to go to Twitter, you can just tweet at me at, uh, at Christian Harloff with a K, K R I S T I A N Harloff. Um, same thing with Facebook. Go to my Facebook fan page and do that like daily carpool thing. It's been a lot of fun. That is, as someone that like loves all forms of media and to get out your message and stuff. I, I, I watched uh, two of those this week and yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting new way to vent. <laughs> well, as I said on Jedi council, I, I cannot stand a conversation that's not recorded. Yeah. It's just a waste of time. Yeah. If you're not recording. I know. So that's what, when I found like that you had this new way to record conversation, I was like, Good, good, good. Pushing the boundaries, yeah, pushing yeah. the boundaries. I don't think my wife would let me do that with the my distraction factor. Yeah, I don't ever look at the camera. That's the trick. Is you got to put it. I, I just put. I put the camera on the uh, on the dashboard, and I just drive. And I tell people as it starts. I'm like, I'm not going to look at you once. I'm never going to look at you in the eyes because I don't want to crash into a pole. So I'm just going to put this here. I'm going to have a conversation essentially with myself. And I, like, I just told a whole bunch of stories. I told a lot of WWE stories. I told like my stand-up stories and how I started and everything today. And I just whatever's on my mind, you know. And I talk about how DC, I talked about how DC fans and Marvel fans are essentially Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> we won't go there. No, we won't go there. But yeah, there was some good stories about The Rock, actually. Yeah, yeah. Have you gotten to a point now? You've been, I think, you've been doing it for like just this week, where. You want more traffic to finish your show? No. It takes me 40 minutes to work. I don't need any more traffic. It takes me 40 minutes to get to work every day. Because sometimes I've got an idea for a sweet tweet, and I'm like, I need some red lights. Right. And I need them now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, man. I just, I figured I just, like, today, today I was going on, and I think it gives me more material to talk about in the next episode. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I I have every intention of finishing my story, but if I get at work and then I go, all right, well, I didn't finish. I'll, I'll have to start next time. And, and I let the fans, I, I, well, what I do is I'll go on um, Facebook and I'll say, well, I'm going on the carpool today. Send in any topics they want me to talk about. I'll literally talk about anything. Like I, I was funny cause I was, I, I don't know why I had a conversation with somebody and it's like, you know, I'm married now with two kids, but I was th- like in my history, is there a name in your history of women that you had, dated like a name like have you ever like what name repeated the most in your history what of the same girl's name same girl's name have you like like i i've i found myself that i've dated a lot of kates really yeah and i was trying i was going through it's like if you go through it you start to realize wait oh my god i've dated like five nicoles it's like it's if you think about it, it's like that. I was having that conversation they were like have you and i had the same same reaction that you did i was like no can't 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 Oh my God! Is it, is, yeah, so it's like there's one name, and then people started writing Christine, Emily, Julia, <laughs> like all these things on the on the comment section of all the people I've dated. I've dated Emily's, and didn't work out well. <laughs> so, so yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, poor Emily. <laughs> Hope you're happier in love poor these Emily. days. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christian. Yeah, thank you. You're a busy man. May that force be with you. Thank you, sir. 
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that really fun episode with Christian Harloff. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, maybe Christian brought you here, welcome. Hit subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts in your podcatcher on iTunes. And stick around for some top shelf Star Wars conversations. There is live episodes with the likes of Kyle Newman, Auntie Donna, and Nick Mason from the Weekly Planet. In-depth chats with the likes of Anthony Bresnikan, Amy Ratcliffe, and Brian Young. As well as tales from the sets of Star Wars with the likes of Jabba Henchman and son of Billy D, Corey D. Williams, Neam Nums, Mike Quinn. And the dulcet tomes of Star Wars Rebels' Stephen Stanton. All up on the iTunes feed right now. And if you want bonus content or to go back into the archives to hear the full-length episodes, join our Patreon. This month, we have got a super sweet Cyber Monday offer. For just $5, you get a month of full access to our Patreon archives. You just paste in a little RSS feed into your podcatcher or app. They all download there like a normal podcast. And also for the $5, you get a 10-pack of Steel Wars stickers sent to your place anywhere in the world. That's like Your Snoke Theory Sucks stickers, Ignite the Green stickers, Pog, 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 and Pog stickers. 10 stickers in an envelope posted as well as 300 plus episodes to check out for just five dollars for the month and it all goes to continue the production of the steel wars podcast we've also got new t-shirts up on the merch store we've got a restock of your snoke theory sucks the cast lineup pog 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 and pog t and the brand new please let this be so relevant in a month's time Ignite the Green t-shirt. And I have to say, you guys, even if Luke Skywalker doesn't ignite the green in The Last Jedi, he seemed to have done it in Return of the Jedi. And that was pretty good too. And stick around on the Steel Wars podcast because next week I will have an episode recorded at the set of the Sarlacc Pit in the Dune Sea in Yuma, Arizona. I went out to check out what I could find at the Sarlacc Pit and it was a great time. This one will put a giant smile on your face, you guys. There's some big sizzle. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I love making this podcast for you and I hope you enjoy it as well. If you're not already, uh, give us a follow at Steel Wars on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We always pin the new episode announcement to the top of the Facebook and Twitter feed and dearly love it when you give us a retweet or share and pod it forward because it's your word of mouth that makes or breaks podcasts. You are our promotional vehicle even if you have five followers one of those five can listen and uh, we can double our audience I so appreciate that if you are using iTunes jump on there and write us a sweet five star review that bumps us up the rankings and lets me know that we're doing okay stuff so that's good and uh, also give a big shout out to Christian Harloff on Twitter for coming on the podcast it was uh, super cool of him to do that. I'll be on the upcoming Star Wars Schmodown 
which is uh, super exciting. And I think I've got one more Jedi Council appearance before the end of the year, probably after the film premieres. Oh my God. What a time to be a Star Wars fan. May that force. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.